back to The Mentors. This is Vadim. And Sergey. And this is a show where we tell stories of ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs despite lack of experience, money, or connections. And today on the show, we have a pleasure, a delight. Some of our original listeners or folks that went through to the old episodes might remember world champion dancer Olga Nesterova, episode six. It was called World Champion Dancer Olga Nesterova from the UN to the NBA playoff halftime show. We wanted to have Olga back on the show because we've been following her and we know that there's been a lot of changes as well to her business. And this is our first update episode. So tune in. Hey, Olga. Hi, guys. So happy to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being back. You were so fun to talk to last time that we thought we just have to do this again because we're friends and we haven't seen you in a year. We're sorry. (laughs) Makes sense. No, it's been a year. I just looked uh, at our pictures and I know my hair grew and it doesn't grow that fast. So it's been a year. We lost some hair, but... (laughs) Oh, uh, well, well, you know, I took it. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, Thanks. (laughs) But uh, so I guess where I want to start is, you know, I follow you on Instagram. Instagram and Facebook, you're just like a super user. You're always posting. But I'm also a little jealous because we're kind of competitors now. I see motivation posts from you and I'm like, damn, that is good. I don't (laughs) think I can do that. Talk about that though, because you post so much motivational content. It's inspiring for entrepreneurs like us or I think any creator, but anybody that's working on their own thing, seeing things like this always kind of wakes me up and I'm like, shit, she's right. I need to keep on doing this. So why do you do that? I mean, you have a dance company. Why do you post so many motivational messages? I think, you know, in general, whether you're a dancer, entrepreneur, or I don't know, a student or anybody who doesn't do anything with business, maybe you're doing something else, but everybody needs that little kick in behind to get up and Mm. do something. And then sometimes, you know, you kind of don't dare to jump or to take the leap and maybe do something else in your life and you need that motivation. And then you just open your Instagram and scroll through those dinners and desserts that everybody's (laughs) posting or pictures with celebrities. And then suddenly you read something and you're like, huh, damn, that makes sense. Let me do something. Let me dare to do something, whatever. So Mm. I don't post anything that I read somewhere or somebody else's thoughts. It's pretty much, maybe that's why it's a little incoherent. I'm writing something (laughs) about relationship and then something about business and then something about cats and dogs. Who cares? But (laughs) something happens in my life and it makes me think and then there's a thought and then I just attach my selfie because I guess I love myself like everybody else does. (laughs) And I put a quote and then um, I post it. So Is there like a specific philosophy around what you choose to post? Because, you know, you have 33,000 followers on on your personal Instagram page, about 10,000 followers on your company Instagram page, which is what, Dance Class. What's what's the company Instagram? It's danceclass.today. Danceclass.today. And then your personal one is Olga Dance Class. So clearly you've been able to amass a following. And last time on the, on the show, you talked about how you just have to post every day. And I think you spend something like maybe a few hours even a day, or at least initially you did. Yeah. So is it more about just the volume of content or are you strategic about the type of content that's going to resonate with your particular audience? Well, in terms of danceclass.today, that account is purely dance related. I have a little pattern. I write a feedback that we receive from our students that come to class. That was something like, oh, I didn't know I love to dance. And then suddenly I realized I do. Something that can resonate to potential students or those who actually come to our classes or maybe explore a possibility to do something different or join another workout or another something, another hobby. Then there's another 
quote that comes from me that's usually directed to fellow teachers and fellow maybe entrepreneurs or those who are in dance community and then there is something about dance either it's a history of dance for instance now is black history month there is a series celebrating african dancers singers who pretty much shaped the development of dance or introduced different styles of dance so and then there's a little promos usually all the promos are in the life story so the swipe up by this or visit this event or join this party or join this class or deals or whatnot, usually in a life story because I don't want people to open the Instagram account and kind of feel pushed to buy something. Mm. You pretty much, if you open Vogue, you kind of, you know, watch it and see and read, kind of educate yourself on the topic without being pressured to buy something. I usually compare it to when you go to a store, you know, this um, the pretty woman moment when she came to the store and they looked at her like, what? And then she didn't buy anything there because she was pressured and judged mm. from the first moment. That feeling is mostly when you go to any Instagram account that tries to sell you something, you read one post and it says, oh, it's a wonderful day. I wish you a day. By the way, buy this and this. So flirt with me a little longer, <laughs> right? tease me a little bit longer before you take me upstairs and back. Like, you know? You're treating so, it like a dating game. Right, I mean, in general, it's just you have to put some time, put some effort in developing that connection with your reader or whoever watches your Instagram or your follower or whatnot. Before they want to um, get into bed with you. Yeah. That's not the topic. Metaphor- <laughs> Metaphorically, Sergey. Exactly, exactly. So that's the point. There's three types of content on the dance class Instagram. On my own, I pretty much direct it to people who make decisions in terms of in fitness or dance world and anybody else who just needs a push and a kick in their butt to do something. So it's pretty much motivational than anything. And is that more for fun or is there another kind of goal behind that? Well, we started doing social events for dancing. Hmm. There's a free dance class and then there's a booth and, and I don't know, like snacks and then social dancing. But I also want to connect it together with a lecture or a Q&A that's directed to a topic. How, for instance, dancing can shape your life and can change you, change your personality, your stamina, also give you more confidence and even push you to maybe seek more success in your professional life by taking dance class, by changing yourself and getting that boost, confidence boost. So I want to do that as well. So that motivational content is more connected to that, but that's long-term. That mm-hmm. doesn't happen really fast. You have to build up your audience. So. Got it. You're developing a brand. Yeah. So, okay. How many years now has your company so for those of you that don't know Olga's story really quickly, she was a world champion dancer from a very young age and ended up going back to school and then getting a job at the United Nations and then ultimately realizing, screw this, <laughs> I feel like it's a soul-sucking job and I want to start my own thing. So how many years have you been running your company now? So in 2014, I opened Proam Dance Team. It was an invitation from Medicine Square Garden to perform at halftime. So I did that for four years and kind of expanded to Miami, had a team in Miami, had a team in Washington, D.C., had performance-oriented dance classes where anybody from any age level of dance or anybody, any shape or form could join the group class, learn choreography and perform alongside professional dancers at the halftime shows, Mm. which was a great thing. And I did that for four years and I truly enjoyed it. And I built a great relationship with the NBA teams. But as any entrepreneur can maybe relate, you see growth, right? And then at some point you ask yourself a question, what's my intention? 
right? Mm. Maybe you listen to Oprah's podcast. Maybe you come <laughs> with it yourself. But what is the intention? What is your mark that you want to leave in your professional field, right? So when you retire, what is that you did? Did you just do something and whatever, people enjoyed it and it was senseless and when you're gone, it's gone? Or do you want to leave something behind you? So my point was that dancing changed my life personally. I was a truly shy kid, so shy that my parents would send me to a bakery and then my mom would pick me up five hours later because I was staring in the corner, mm-hmm. super scared to ask to buy bread, right? Mm-hmm. So it was so crazy so that my parents pushed me into dance and then I could perform on stage, but I didn't have to talk. So that was kind of cool thing for me. I was, uh, you know, became national champion in Ukraine, moved to Germany, but then I was harassed at school. I was super shy. I couldn't even talk. I learned the German language. I moved to Germany. If you go to that episode, six you find it all out Mm -hmm. um and then in u.s as well so i lived the life of two different not say personalities but i was super in the limelight and performing and super extroverted in my professional field and then super introverted in my personal life and then i wouldn't socialize with people not really having a lot of friends and then i would say oh because you know leader has to be alone and it's so lonely on top and blah 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 but it's it's all everything in proportion works well so my point was to show people that dancing can actually change their life that it's a great thing that it's not just something pretty that you see on dancing with the stars and then oh it's a pretty girl i want to dance with and she's half naked or a guy or whatnot or typical pro-am dancing professional and amateur when beginner dancer goes to dance studio and takes classes just to dance with the dancer Right. So that's just that crazy feeling. Oh, I want to dance with a professional chick or guy, Hmm. you know, so dancing has more to it. So what I thought would be wise for me is to approach it in three different fields. And that's why I pretty much then renamed Proam Dance Team to Dance Class. Because every time I would talk to anybody in pro-am dance team, they're like, oh, pro-am, so that's professional amateur, why is it team? Do I need to compete? Do I Mm. need to apply? Do I need to audition? And every time I had to explain, no, 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 it's just the name. And I'm like, why do I need to change it? Mm. Why do I need to explain myself? So, And then I Google dance class and I'm like, damn, nobody trademarked dance class. Nobody has dance class LLC. Mm. I have it now, so big home. <laughs> and you've trademarked it? Uh, yeah, it's it's all, like, you can't take it. <laughs> so You can trademark the words dance class? No, it's in one word, dance class. I see. So it kind of becomes a brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somebody took danceclass.com, it's like an unused uh, whatever domain, and I didn't bother to buy it or whatnot so it's dance class dot today mm. take a dance class today you know mm, like kind of like a thing and then i developed a slogan there's many ways to move but there's only one dance class so <laughs> it kind of like all shaped it all together oh. so pretty much what i do there's three components to the company one is regular dance classes and i went more into fitness perspective not in terms of jumping and having weights and workouts but how can i combine latin dancing with the fitness aspect So I do have fit dance classes where you learn two kinds of dance and then from slow to fast and then it ends up with that H-I-I-T high intensity part where Mm. it's pretty much cardio where you alternate two dances and kind of dance through. So there's two types of those. There's a cha-cha salsa and then samba swing. And then there's a classic Latin dance, classic ballroom social dance part. So I decided to stick to my guns and I've been world champion in the dancing. So and people see dancing as something that people did in 1930s <laughs> up to 60s maybe but then it became that kind of like all demographic sort of interest right so if people go to dance studio you see older 
folks to enjoying that. But if you reshape it, if you put some upbeat music, if you use current songs, if you explain that actually any song you hear on the radio right now, either reggaeton or anything else, it's pretty much salsa or it is cha-cha, right? And if you go to a wedding, it's swing or foxtrot. If you know those four, you're pretty good to go in terms of socializing or any, attending any event, right? So if you reshape the kind of modernized the Latin dance or ballroom dance world, it can attract other people and kind of keep keep the dance sport alive, right? Mm. So, and then there's another part is the part that's truly new to me, but kind of brings me to the point where I can use all my knowledge and my degrees and all that that I got from UN and NBA is the corporate programs. Mm. So since it's a real trend for big corporations to invest into wellness and team building, Mm -hmm. pretty much I read that there's almost a rule to invest 15% of your turnover into wellness and team building. So my company does have a program there's a variety of programs depending on intensity and length. We host Latin dance, social dance, or fit dance, or all three, at a corporate headquarters. So, for instance, there's companies like PwC and there's Monsina that have classes in their facilities, either after work or during lunch hour. There's tech companies. Because what happened was, yes, people were excited about wellness, but everything they offered to their employees was yoga. Hmm. So imagine you sit in front of your computer for nine hours, right? And then you take a break in between to do yoga. So your heartbeat doesn't go above 60. I sweat, right? a, I sweat a ton when I do it yoga. It depends, but we're weak. <laughs> yeah, but it, see, it, if it goes into meditation-wise kind oh, of thing, right? that makes sense. Right? Okay. Yeah. So to distress people. But you know, because you have to... Because that's what wellness is. It's all in meditation, right? Right. <laughs> right? But, but see who buys the service, B2B, right? Mm-hmm. So the decision maker. The decision maker is stressed out. Who are the decision makers that, that you go after for wellness HR, okay. HR, pretty much. Or even marketing department. It depends per company how they do it but ultimately the CEO or the main manager will make the decision and sign off these folks are stressed out yes they need meditation but they will never go to that class they just don't have time when did you start so, uh, this the B2B component of your business I would say July August okay and at this point what percentage of your revenue is through that channel I would say 50 Oh, it's already 50% of your revenue. Yeah. That's great. Um, so, so, so it was the right move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you then figure out how to price something like this since you've never done it before? Well, you ask pretty much learn. You would say how many people are there? Do you need equipment? Don't you need equipment? Because some companies don't have audio equipment like speakers or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So you have to incorporate that and you pretty much ask them what they're ready to pay. Mm-hmm. Very simple as that. Yeah. It, actually, funny enough, we had Wandering Bear Coffee on our show a while ago, and they do, now they're all over the place, they're in like Whole Foods, I think, too. But uh-huh. when they started off, they were doing B2B, and they would do the same thing. They would go in and give free samples, and then afterwards, they asked the office manager how much do you want to buy, and then they would figure out pricing just yeah. Yeah. with each different company. But one yeah. interesting lesson from that episode is that they sort of severely underpriced themselves and of later course. on realized they of should course. charge much more. Yeah. So now that you've been doing this for six months or a little bit longer than six months, have you adjusted your pricing and can you tell us uh, what you do charge or maybe how much you make per customer if it's a good size deal um, for you? You can't say per customer. There's classes. I taught a class on Tuesday and there were 125 people. Oh, wow. And I asked, hey guys, do you know each other? Have you met? No. Huh. You know, so people stand there, they work with each other every day, hmm. but they're on different floors. So they never even talk to each other. They don't know who they, who everybody is. And the biggest motivation or the sign of 
oh my god i'm doing something right was a lady who came in and she said oh it's snowing it's raining i don't know i really didn't want to go to work i wanted to stay home but i remembered there's your class today that's why i showed up <laughs> wow yeah so you then you're making people come to work that's right <laughs> so i pretty much motivate people and that's ultimately what it brings it's more progress and better completion of deadlines or work because people are motivated and maybe they can use somebody who works for the same company in a good way but they never met that person and now they know, you know? Do, do you charge i'm curious how you figured out the yeah the structure do you charge per head like per employee or no. do you offer packages I guess? there's packages there's okay. packages for three months six months or 12 months mm. it, like how frequent are it they it goes one t- one time weekly two time weekly or more mm. usually also it comes with the free introductory session where i strongly recommend the management to either just sit there or participate because i say that before you book someone you need to see them in person mm. and i also encourage them not all companies want to but i encourage them to have a q a as well just for me to explain why are we doing what we're doing what's the intention behind this it's not a regular class we just offer you for free at the facilities you need to explain what's your thought behind it then you kind of like push people to even feel bad not to attend because hmm. you're so genuinely wanting something good for them or for the company and for the climate hmm. right the company climate that they feel bad not attending yeah, right so interesting so when you started this off you obviously didn't have like b2b sales experience or anything like that how did you approach it i mean i know that maybe you were shy when you were little i don't think you are anymore at the very least you've learned how to get past that even like from the story you told in the original episode about how you rounded up the team when you got the deal from the nba so how did you go about it in the very beginning did you go to friends and ask for referrals did you have your own contacts or did you just start kind of pounding the pavement going cold door to door if you will i did one mistake i was writing cold emails and saying hi my name is olga i'm multiple world champion i have this great company everybody loves what i do we have these great packages and everybody loves it and everybody loves it and everybody nobody replied mm-hmm. and i'm like oh why mm-hmm. and then i was sitting there and i'm reading my email and i'm like okay imagine you got that email yeah. you are the hr person and you're like okay so you love what you do and you do and everybody loves it. So there's nothing together with me. And what's the value Tell for me? Tell me why do I need to hire you or read further? Mm-hmm. So now it goes, hi, my name is Olga. I have a company. It's called Dance Class. We have a variety of dance training programs that will improve your employee culture and culture, engagement. Culture, exactly. Like engagement mm-hmm. and productivity and unite your workforce into you know, one team. Mm, interesting. Then they're like, oh, okay, tell me more how you're going to do it. But in general, what people need to understand, if you go B2B road, it's a long-term process. Mm. It takes up to six months to make a deal. Mm. So if you're writing someone and they don't reply to you for two months, you're cool. Because mm. you're not the only one writing them. Right. So don't push every week. Oh, I wrote you that email. Why you never reply? Because nobody has time for you, honey. Right. Just sit down and work on everything else. There's 7 million people. Approach everybody. Right. Right. And then what also people do is they send a bunch of emails and they say, oh, some people said it's too costy. Some people don't reply. Let me lower prices. Don't do that. Did you ask everybody? Mm. Ask everybody. Mm. And then if majority says it's too costy, then you lower price. So how often, so what is your process then if you, let's say, have a list of 20 companies in New York that you want to target, how often are you following up? When do you know when to give up following up or ever? What's your process for that? Um, well, I write first an email. 
right? Mm-hmm. And if there is no response, let's say for two weeks, I just call the company mm. main number and I say, hey, I would like to talk to somebody who is in charge of employee wellness or team building. Who can I talk to? Can you please give me an email? I write them. If they don't reply, then I try, you know, LinkedIn, other processes. Also, Facebook ads that target directly HR people, that works as well, but it's costy. Mm. Also, LinkedIn is costy if you really want people to reply to you because they get a lot of trash pretty much so obviously you have to run these classes and actually run the business do you know how many emails let's say or points of outreach you do in a week oh i work on that every day i just structure my day that i do three hours of just approaching people well whether it's phone calls or emails yeah. or linkedin yeah, you or have to yeah. i mean if you want to approach people you just have to approach people do you do it in the morning afternoon what works for you i do that in the morning I do it like 9 to 11 or 9 to 12 because I feel like after lunch, people like, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know? Unless they say, call me after lunch. I'm busy, mm-hmm. right? I also read recently that you have to call people before 8 a.m., but <laughs> I don't talk to people before 8 a.m., <laughs> yeah, so neither. no. I don't um, schedule any meetings until 11. Yeah, either. I can just harass you before 8 a.m. Like, yeah, so you have to buy it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. So, yeah, don't do that. Don't so, get Olga's bad side. <laughs> that's pretty much the corporate part. And then the third part that I think will be really, really cool if we meet each other in a year or more it's a very long term and i also started producing on-demand content on-demand training so there was a big kind of splash in terms of personal trainers teaching through facetime all the celebrity people started taking classes on facetime because it's just cheaper than dragging your trainer with you everywhere right Mm. facetime is has limitations it what can invite five or ten people to join so i'm doing that through google first hangouts and whatnot it has up to 50 people 100 people in class that can tune in and watch you Hmm. otherwise there's also semi-private sessions up to six people in class and then also private sessions online so for instance it's targeting everybody outside new york city outside big cities you charge for this yes so there will be monthly subscription that Mm -hmm. will be very low about 20 bucks 15 20 but for now Anybody can go on the website, click on demand, and just sign up with the email and get free access. There's about 20 different classes right now that you can just mix and match and take and then also view it on your phone and computer and also stream it on TV. So pretty much at this point, I don't see it as a revenue maker. I see it as a pretty much testing the market, see what people like. Is this platform good? Or do I really need to invest into doing that app, which ultimately will be the point? But what can I shape in terms of content? Do they like this background or that background and mic and music and all that stuff? So now there's about 20 classes. I have also about 20 or maybe 25 more that I can upload. There's different lengths. It goes from even three minutes little warm-up kind of like boost to 45 minutes that you can take online and uh, first of all of course I had to make my family suffer and (laughs) make my mom do the classes and fit dance and jump (laughs) around but it was pretty cute like you know you watch on tv and then you can do that it has two points why it makes sense number one because it saves time so now voice messages are replacing sms right because it's just faster so the next thing is people will want to save time you don't want to go to the gym you don't want to drive to a class you don't want to take a subway or a cab and drag yourself you want to do it on your terms where you want it when you want it what you want right right? so this gives people complete freedom especially those who don't live in the cities right and it's not only fitness training it's also for instance if 
couple wants to have a wedding dance and what they're gonna literally everybody goes on youtube and tries to copy other couples mm-hmm. you know and then i see those couples and they dance i'm like why is their connection reverse right <laughs> because they watch it on tv it's reverse on oh, television <laughs> right when you see anybody dancing walls the guy is holding the girl with the right hand right yes right and then <laughs> you see people doing it reverse on the left because they see it on youtube so that's the whole point they can pay i think now it's like 70 bucks tune in and have an hour Mm. training with me i'm sitting there and explaining and whatnot they do it learn from you know comfort of their home actually sorry i went to this (laughs) i went to the salsa class and this woman when uh okay my buddy was trying to learn uh like improve his skills before his wedding and so i went to like okay six or seven salsa classes in brooklyn damn for what because he lived there and he wanted me to go to the uh-huh. studio that he wanted to go to and i was there to support him and uh, the, the instructor wanted to make it like gender neutral which in dance is kind of messed up because it's usually yeah. the man leads right yeah. the woman follows obviously you can switch it up if yeah. you want the woman yeah. can lead but when she was giving instruction she would say they or she would use these gender neutral pronouns and i was so confused because i didn't know if i was the <laughs> girl in the, in the, like if i was leaning or following or whatever you were the girl so i was be clear i was the girl it's see you need to change with times it's like the same thing for comedy what people could make jokes even five years ago today is a no 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 yeah. right so same thing with dancers and i'm straightforward right so i don't want to be confused i don't want to confuse nobody so in the beginning i'm like saying okay so if it's a partner dance class followers and leaders and you decide which team you play see for, that's a better she should have done that right so go to the left if you follow go to the right if you lead mm. and I don't give a damn how you pee and what you do <laughs> in your bathroom but right here I just want to be not confused who's turning and who's leading yeah right so and that's it and then also you have majority of girls in class and they start dancing with each other I'm like okay unless you're planning to do that when you're in public don't do that here <laughs> you are learning literally right. learning Starting with the left or right makes a difference, right? So that's the point. So coming back to the on-demand stuff, one thing, it saves time. The second thing is we all should anticipate there will be some financial crisis coming up or something will be happening because it just hasn't been for long. And if you see the market kind of comes to it. Bottom line, people won't be spending $30 an hour to take a class, but Mm. they will be able to spend $30 a month to take whatever they want. You're trying to recession-proof your business. Yeah. Last year when we talked a lot of the value prop that you had in the pro-am market, professional amateur market, is that you gave an opportunity for amateurs to dance at NBA halftime shows. Are you doing that still, to clarify, or is that just something that you're spending less time on? I don't do it for general public, but I do it for corporate. Ah, mm-hmm. I see. Oh, because ah, mm-hmm. that's smart. Because the mm-hmm. value is high there. Can you charge them more mm-hmm. for that? Yeah, yeah that's why. Yeah. And you should. And it, you should charge more for that because but that is see, an amazing experience. But see, I'm flirting first. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, hey, do that. Organize a team performance. People, mm-hmm. employees will feel, oh, my boss is dictating me now to mm-hmm. put that dress on and perform in front of people. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, right? You're, you're letting Once they learn something and there's an event or there is a corporate gala, Mm-hmm. You can build a team, they can learn choreography and dance it, and then why not do it at the next game? Hmm. So basically, as you develop the relationship with the company and the employees, you can figure out how it makes sense to compile yes. a team. Yes, That's very cool. I like that that way of doing it. Do you ever take a day off? <laughs> okay. uh, I planned to do, what was it, one time. So I was sick now three days. Mm-hmm. So I slept for three days. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Now I'm awake and I'm there. But you know what? The point is, if you love what you do, and I know it's cliche and everybody says, oh, if you love what you do, you never work a day. Oh, yeah. bull crap. We work. all hate what we do sometimes. Yeah. yeah. 
you know you can love ice cream mm. but if you eat everyday ice cream you're gonna be like damn i want steak yeah. right <laughs> yeah. so it's mix and match but it's funny i took a day off and i went to the mat right and i was looking at you know pictures mm. and there, there were rooms and there showed this baroque stuff and whatnot and it kind of gave me a fresh perspective of how I want to design my ads on my Instagram and mm. what times I relate to. Mm. It's like as funny as if I watch like my favorite series, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, <laughs> right? And it's like the 60s and I'm listening to music and I'm like, Siri, what song is it? And then it tells me, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to include it in the class. Oh, cool. okay. So the funniest thing today I was teaching class and it's literally, I'm not like, a guy was in class and he said oh i'm dancing here and kind of reminds me of this mazel series or whatever i was like yeah the whole playlist is (laughs) (laughs) so it's pretty much this classy kind of thing and that's the whole point behind the social events that i'm doing one time a month with the social dancing Mm. those events unite all the three demographics it can unite people who take classes on demand it can unite people who take corporate classes and that it also unites people who take regular fit dance or dance classes where you can dress up and pretty much have fun and maybe bring your plus one and introduce them to the world you're in. Kind of like, you know, meet everybody together. And so you mentioned the sort of fallacy of the, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your mm-hmm. life. Now, of course, you're still working and it can be difficult sometimes, but clearly you keep on pushing and, and being motivated because you do enjoy what you do. You th- you feel like it provides value and you know you're good at it. I think that's also part yeah. of why you continue doing it. But you clearly have a lot of ideas, like even that idea that was sparked in your head when you were just hanging out at the Met. So how do you decide then which ideas you pursue because there's so many things you could possibly be doing, right? So yeah. and in the last year, you've had a transformation and you've tried a couple things. Mm-hmm. How do you decide what to pursue and how do you know for yourself whether it's worth continuing to pursue once you try mm-hmm. it? Well, there's clarity for me. I don't know if I'm going to do all three directions in a year, mm. right? So I allowed myself to stretch myself, if you wish, to do corporate, to do personal, like the group training directly, and to pursue on demand. If you ask me, probably in a year or two is going to be just on demand or corporate. I was about to ask if you were to drop any of them. That, because it just makes, you spend three hours pursuing one customer to come to your training and pay $30 an hour for your group session or $20 or whatever it is right now. And the same time, literally, you pursue to get a company that pays for everything. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's just in a matter of time. Also, people, when they come to class or you teach, and I know you you mentioned that on podcast, people come to your class because they like you. Yes, you can get that knowledge anywhere, right? Open Google, read it, whatever. But if they like you, if they like your personality, your delivery, they come to you. Hmm. So imagine you would hire an assistant. What is going to be your clone? I mean, thank <laughs> God you have one. But, but I mean, like, not even, even you guys are different. Like, if you mm-hmm. hire somebody who would replace you, you will drop demographic and win demographic. Mm-hmm. But what, what if you only drop and not win? So this personal relationship, private lessons, group sessions, people come to you, they get attached to you, right? So it's difficult for me to grow because anybody else would be just, uh, corporate stuff? It's different because I can hire people to teach in my manner, in my system. That's why for now, even 
although I have experience and I don't need to prepare myself and I don't need to do things, but I do write, okay, five minutes, this, 10 minutes, this, five minutes, this, and I'm trying and okay, I need Planning to adjust and I need to yeah. do. So I'm rewriting mm-hmm. this process. So when I need to hire somebody, I just present a blueprint mm-hmm. and then they come with me and they see what I do and how I teach and then they try out, I control them, then I can let them go and do their thing. So it has potential to growth. Also on demand part is important to hire people who don't look like me, don't talk like me, don't dance like me because people have to relate. Not everybody is a Russian chick, right? <laughs> so if you upstate New York, you probably relate to, you know, somebody American or somebody African American, you know, so you have to have variety and that has potential for growth, mm. right? So if I would drop, I would drop the in-class situation. So you try things that excite you and you see what works basically to help you scale, to help you grow, and mm-hmm. then everything else you end up you end up dropping as far as ideas go. Yeah, and also it pretty much also demands supply, but if it bores me, mm. probably everybody else is bored too in class, <laughs> mm. right? That was my issue with teaching at big dance studios where they told me, you teach too fast. You need to stretch it out over 20 hours. Because like this, people will learn in five hours. I'm like, oh, whatever, it's going to be another people. Right. right. So I have wedding couples who come in and say, oh, can we learn the choreography? But we only have budget for five hours. But we want this. And it's okay, we're going to make it happen. If you want it, I'm going to teach you. The point is, can you learn? Right. If you can learn, cool. No problem. Because mm-hmm. I'm confident in my knowledge. I'm not trying to reserve it or whatnot. Do you think you would hire somebody soon? And if so, who would it be? Like what type of employee? What would they do? I would definitely hire somebody as soon as possible because just the number of hours that goes into a corporate situation is a lot right so also filming and and then you know so if we're talking about on demand obviously i do have videographers and people who do music that are doing that per occasion Mm -hmm. when i spend one day just filming or whatnot but if it becomes more obviously i need to do it on a constant basis the funny part is i would hire somebody to teach class but I wouldn't hire somebody to approach corporations right now mm-hmm. because I'm still, re- still figuring out myself. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. That's actually a really good point because a lot of people want to hire others because they don't feel like doing the work, but that's kind of a recipe for disaster. Even if you, let's say, want to hire a salesperson because you know you need somebody that can complement that skill, until you learn your market and your customers in the process, you're kind of hiring somebody and sending them up to fail. How do you know the right person to hire if you don't know how to sell it? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. if you can't train them or give them the direction that they need because no one's gonna first of all no one's gonna care about it as much as you but more importantly you're putting too much pressure on them to actually basically figure out the business for you in that scenario and so i think that's a really crucial point is you want to still refine your sales process mm-hmm. your messaging maybe even the types of companies you reach out to what yeah. is working what what is a shorter sales cycle or whatever yeah. where you can maximize revenue opportunity before you bring somebody else on that can then replicate and scale that process definitely it's also a very different language you use to approach a law firm and the tech company Mm-hmm. You can, yeah, hi guys, whatnot, that's the tech. But you can't just write Mount Sinai and say, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> okay, you go to trash. That doesn't um, work with B2B. Don't say what's up. Another point that I learned and truly would encourage everybody who listens, not to take the free help as a 
kind of like something you would rely on business-wise. Mm. You mean employees? Employees, like friends. Free employees, okay. Friends, family, anybody. Mm. Right? Why not? Because first of all, yes, you might be too occupied. If you're too occupied, you're probably making money. If you don't make money, do something else. If you're too occupied, you make money, you have budget to hire somebody. Hire somebody for a few hours, somebody you want to hire, somebody who will bring you value. Everybody who is even genuinely cheering you up and really really hoping for you to succeed and wants to dedicate time maybe these people are not right for you they're not they're not incentivized correctly to actually put in the work but they're not qualified to help you right Mm. it's the same thing like oh i want to be skinny and i want to have a six-pack and i want to hire somebody who will eat right for me and uh, exercise for me yeah they will be skinny and have a six-pack not me (laughs) you got to go through your own damn journey Right. right so you can hire somebody who will train you to do that but it has to be a professional not somebody who will, oh, I will be with you, I'll encourage you, and I'll eat McDonald's next to you. Mm-hmm. Like, it has to be the right person. So what I had is also people who truly wished me well and wanted to help me, but they were not the right people, right? And then also, if you are just starting up and you're sharing your ideas, right? And then people will turn around and make those ideas their own, mm-hmm. right? And there was a time and a place in the dance world, like when I started doing the NBA shows, you think I only was only one who wanted to, that everybody tried, mm. everybody called. The funny part was there were people calling NBA and referring they were coming from me oh, geez. to do. And then they didn't know I had a genuinely good relationship with the NBA teams that would call me and say, hey, there's this and this calling from you. Um, I mean, I can meet you, her or whatever, but did you send her? I was like, hell no, <laughs> right? Wow, that's so good. it's just when you are building genuinely good relationship they're not gonna screw you Mm -hmm. right so also learning to let it go you have to be confident in your own talent in your own ability to work hard and develop and strive for greatness let's say and less control the environment that tries to copy you because it's kind of like flattery right so what can you do even though when i see people you know the on-demand training it was very popular in fitness but not in dance and then suddenly i see people recording their dance classes and offering and uh, the funniest part was there was a person who literally copied everything i did literally and this person came to my class even so literally copied everything instagram all the posts all even quotes and stuff so what I did, I reached out to that person and said, hey, can I help you somehow? Because I see you need inspiration. So <laughs> if you need any personal touch, because, you know, I see you seeking, you know, some sort of juice. Mm. You know, I can juice you up. You should have seen the face. Because I didn't have FaceTime. I just wanted to enjoy it. Mm. So the point is, if you like what you do, you have the ideas. You can get ideas in the mat or in the park for your dance or fitness class or what, vice versa. You have to be confident in yourself and kind of like also keep quiet. Yeah, inspiration comes from a lot of places and you need that time so that that introspective time to actually mm-hmm. think as well that's part of the reason why we talked about earlier sometimes you need to step away and not have inputs from other places turn off facebook just go for a walk so that you can actually think and process information and to your other point in terms of hiring help and employees you're right free help isn't always good and the thing is ultimately you should only hire people when you like we said earlier have a process refined but then also trust them to take it and make it their own and do a great job with it and only if they're incentivized correctly and only 
only if they are right for the role will they actually succeed in that role because if you're spending so much time hiring different people you're actually wasting a lot of your own time as well when you bring on new employees you want them to stick around for long haul you yeah. want them to work and do a good job and their impact to have a positive effect on the business and so if you're constantly hiring new people training new people bringing on free help you're actually probably doing yourself a disservice and, and you're raising time. competitors as well i mean let's face it some people will come to learn i'm cool with people who say i want to learn how to teach and i want to have my own thing all right cool that's fine but if you come as a friend or you want to work for me, whatever, and then you turn around and do your own thing, then it's kind of, you know, you can trust that person. But I will say, though, so. I think just to help you feel a little bit better about that, you work much harder than most of these people ever will. And yeah. even if they copy your idea exactly, and even if they want to literally create the same business and start going business to business, I guarantee you they're not going to be spending two or three hours a day emailing, cold calling companies, yeah. going through that process, trying to figure out what to pitch them, the pricing. Most people will give up and they'll get burnt out yeah. and they just won't try hard, that hard. So I wouldn't, I don't think that is even the biggest worry anyways, more so it's controlling your own time exactly uh, but if you see with the nba a lot of people tried but in four years yeah. we remain the only one company who did it and mm. now i'm not doing that for general public and it doesn't happen yeah. so it just shows that exactly what you said you put it's, in the work it's all the workload that people can either handle or not yeah, that's true exactly you, you put in the work you build the relationships you cannot replicate that just by copying somebody's idea olga it seems like you went through a ton of changes and now yes. there's even more opportunity <laughs> for you than we met than we met last time and one of the I guess the coolest things that I heard from this conversation is that you just started this new B2B initiative in July and it's already half your revenue, which is mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. We definitely want to have you on again <laughs> in a year. All so right. we're going to do this every year now. All Around right, February cool. when it's cold and out. I'm like, and I keep changing and then it's not a good anymore. <laughs> Your hair no, is different every year. It's all, all good. Right. <laughs> Maybe we'll actually come to a class. I know I promised like a few months ago I messaged you on, on You come Facebook. to a social class. There's a free class and a booth and all that. Yes, can you I come meet, there. Can I yes. meet girls? Yes. <laughs> I actually went on a sidebar. I went on a date recently. and um, But oh. I went on a date and I was talking about actually this how I took a salsa class and she was basically like oh really and i'm like why well apparently she found out through friends that a lot of guys especially like tech guys will go to salsa classes and different dance classes to meet girls and i thought to myself so what so what you <laughs> like, go to what? meet girl where are you gonna go to the bar yeah exactly yeah, what? i think that's much better initiative than swiping or whatever which i do anyways but uh kudos yeah, to these folks they're actually swipe. putting them so yeah we all swipe but you're putting yourself out there and I think it's a great like that's the whole point that's why you probably do the social thing is you get people exactly. together people are but hungry you, for in-person events but you know what funny wise I did schedule for social for Valentine's Day mm -hmm. and me being dumb I said okay couples singles whatnot you can't imagine the number of emails and messages oh so it's what couples are gonna be there kissing and hugging i don't want to because i'm alone i'm single i don't want to see them being lovey-dovey mm. and couples oh so i'm gonna come there with my boyfriend and they're gonna be like single hot girls staring yeah, yeah. whatever crying <laughs> in the corner i don't want to do that so i ended up rescheduling this whole thing because uh, it was such a big thing and i thought oh, i don't want to meet them well it's gonna be all this disaster whatever so i'm not touching even that subject yeah. I'm like, okay social Valentine's anybody whatever but exactly so everybody feels some sort of feelings i'm i, don't know, I did I'm yoga on valentine's day and that was great because that's very like independent i ate a whole cake so what it was great <laughs> Olga Nistorova, always an awesome time we will definitely have you back uh, that was a really cool update and you like this now that we're doing the update
Thank you so much. Thanks, Olga. Thank you.